<laughs> I am here today with my dear friend, Cheryl Shu. I don't know how to describe you, Cheryl. And so I think I'll just say that you're one of my all-time favorite people on planet Earth. And I feel so lucky to know you. And I feel so much resonance and excitement and like uh, arrows around you. And, and I don't even really, I think you've told me before, but like, I don't even really know what you do in your day job or like, I think you do a lot with design and, but it just feels like whenever we're together, I just feel you and I feel the creative impulse that is vibrating off of you and through you and as you, and then that invites me into a similar space. And then together we kind of create this new flavor of soup that to me tastes really, really delicious. Mm. So is there a way that you would like to describe yourself? Because that's the best that I could have done. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, the moment you pressed record, I immediately felt actually the presence of an image that always arises whenever we're one-on-one -on -one together. And yeah, I can kind of feel it here. It's very, it's an image. I've described it to you multiple times, but it's like an image of like a school of sea creatures, like a school of fish, but every fish is different. And it's not only fish, it's, there's like, bioluminescent luminescent like octopi in it and I don't know little just sea creatures and there's a way in which I remember the first time we met I was so struck by how clearly like a kind of sparkling quality with which it just kind of flooded the space and even though I hadn't like I didn't really know the context of who you were because you had reached out to me um, from that sense, that quality of, oh, for some reason, Tucker has this energy and between us in the space between us, there's this like arising of like the morphology of a school or a movement of many unique beings. Um, it just felt like a biomarker of immediate resonance. It was like, oh, this is, this is like a, this is soul kin. <laughs> Um, so I just, I really, I wanted to name that because also in the way that you open a field and hold a field with such open affection and yeah, kind of porous relationality. Um, yeah, I, I just feel that really mutually amplifying the creative potential between us. So honoring that first. Um, yeah, who am I? That's that's so funny. It's like a. It always feels like. I have to pluck an arbitrary thread, in a tangle, <laughs> to begin. So I'm wondering. You were describing design. Maybe Can I ask who you want to be 
right now. <laughs> doesn't Either matter. Doesn't matter who you are. Like, well, who you? Yeah. Anyways, who do you want to be right now? What's the expression that feels like most life affirming in this moment for you? I want to be a soul maker. I am a soul maker. <laughs> and I love that. Um, that's such a good question. And it really called forth um, like something we've been holding together. Like, what does it mean to be a soul maker or what does it feel like to yeah, have that be part of one's like skin or kind of like being. And so that feels true. That feels true. I feel like a soul maker and in something that I'd written recently, I was describing that like a soul maker, I think I wrote something like, what is a soul maker and an artist? And for me in the costume that I wear, like I'm a mad person and I am a scavenger and I am a mystic, but I'm also a scientist and an archaeologist and an anthropologist. And there's a way in which, in the kind of wildness of the way that I want to create and discover the territory and the realities that are available to us, um, there's also a kind of dedication to like phenomenological rigor and this way of being meta-reflexive about what the practice of soul-making looks and feels like and what it could actually feel like in relationship with others in the practice of collective soul-making. So we were to embrace it kind of like uh, an art collective, which we've been kind of sensing into together, then my question is, as a designer now, what are the right conditions and design protocols, like the design principles to be able to afford the space, the reservoir, the kind of relational intersubjective field for a group of wild soul makers and artists to be able to create like and kind of co-create this collective life work um, that not any one of us can hold or source alone. So I'd say that's kind of, that's like my that's my calling right now. Um, discovering and trying to find the patterns and the protocols to be able to enable that kind of experimentation. Notice I feel really gooey inside. <laughs> I feel like. Um... That feeling when maybe you're on a first date with someone and you feel like, oh, I think I really love this person. <laughs> and there's something about the word soul maker that feels like really sexy to me. Like if, if there's an erotic quality to that word that makes me, it's like a, there's an adrenaline rush that I feel experiencing that in my body. And then that deep curiosity it's like the mind is curious soul maker. God, what is that? That's a really beautiful word, um, but I don't quite know what that means. But then there's 
the vast majority of me, the infinite me that knows exactly what that is and doesn't need to ask. Um, but yeah, soul making, soul makers. What, how does that word make you feel? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, when I tune in to the imaginal body, the energy body, and I borrow that language from Rob Rebea and the teachings of soul making Dharma as well. But it's, it's soul making really does like it's, I can't really invoke it and speak to it without honoring the lineages that, yeah, I draw this praxis from. And when I just really tune into the body and like what was elicited when I felt that question, it was almost like um, I could feel my body like a volcano, like an underwater volcano, just like a volcano at the bottom of the ocean. And it's hidden at first, like you can't really see it, but there's something like, there's something that's hot and it's so deep and it just plunges deep into the center, like the core, where it's just like made of, yeah, it's like molten lava and fire and energy, but also kind of like this magnetic core. Like there's something around it that also feels like it draws in, there's like a magnetism to it. And when I work with soul making, it's almost as though I am tuning into my body as that volcanic vessel and understanding how to much more wisely alchemize all of that energy that I feel each of us, but I'll speak to my own experience. It's like, I can feel, it's almost like an umbilical cord that connects to that hot, core of anima mundi like the soul of the world and then it's like how am i able to work with the energy that current that flows through that actually often wants to of its own time because nature does not um abide by my timing or my rules it's it's much more of um yeah, you have to meet and dance and really honor and respect the volcano of your own body. And when I work with soul making, it's like, can I work with my vessel as an alchemical body? Like, can I transmute all of that fire? Can I work with, yeah, can I work with also the body of the ocean that I'm encased in that protects me, that can also balance the fire with the coolness of relationality, of spaciousness, and ultimately, like I can feel, it's like um, 
when a volcano is ready to erupt, it releases this fire, this kind of like column of energy and fire that can actually create islands. Like there's a way in which um, these underwater volcanoes networked in whatever pattern that they're in can create through that force, that magnetic force, just like whole islands that float up to the surface and are off like these places, these islands are so, they're like new lands and they're so fecund. Like it's like the volcanic material, like the minerals that come through. It's just, it's the most fertile um, kind of body, you could say. So I think there's like something where I think I'm I'm now linking it to your lighthouse um, metaphor and image because there's these islands that are beginning to form through soul makers who are creating these worlds and they're very precious. And there's a way in which I want to protect each island that's beginning to arise in this, yeah, in this soul making practice. And then there's also like, how do we build lighthouses on our islands as beacons towards each other and to find how my cosmos is actually interlinked with your cosmos is interlinked with like the cosmoses of other soul makers, like these worlds that we feel called to uniquely create and discover. And yeah, I think there's like something around being with both the loneliness, like the kind of solitude, there's a way in which soul making is a deeply solitary path because you have to, you have to really be with your own unique calling and no one will know the interior of your cosmos and the laws and values and gods that it belongs to more deeply and more intimately than yourself. And then it's kind of like incumbent upon you to like share it with others and to be able to, yeah, it's like, what does it mean for us to constellate these worlds that we feel called to creating? Um, I feel like I'm just kind of riffing a little bit based on that question, but I, yeah, that's what's here. <laughs> that's great. <clears throat> There's so much is coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, the lighthouse. I, I want to share about the lighthouse, but first, there's a distinction in the creative process that I was feeling into when you were speaking. And, <clears throat> you know, one can be, this is my experience is that often there can be a flow state and the flow state is, feels more like a channeled experience. Like there's something that's being downloaded and it's kind of coming in and it's almost like the somatic experience is, is, um, this very uh, light, airy, almost empty vessel that my body, my being becomes, and it's just it's just happening. Uh, and there's there's a quality of like a, a transcendental presence. And then there's like the 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 soul making creative process, which it almost hurts. I feel like often it's like it's coming from the ground and it's working through my body and there's almost so much pleasure that it's painful. 
And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like I'm at the edge of my energetic and somatic experience. Um, and it, it feels like it will kill me if I don't be with this fully, or if I'm not, if I'm not uh, attending to it like a young child that is screaming and crying it's going to somehow turn into a a wolf and kill me because I'm not respecting its being and there's mm -hmm. some sense of deep responsibility that comes with that which is not it's a different type of responsibility from um I don't know why this is arising, but picking up a piece of trash on the ground, like as there's some sense in which I feel responsible. Like if I want to live in a beautiful world and I just want to pick up this piece of trash and throw it away. So the world's, you know, just slightly more beautiful, but that's like an ethical responsibility, but the soul making responsibility feels like. Mm. It feels more karmic. It almost feels like the 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 my soul or the like they'll they'll actually will be a punishment and there'll be a sense of like life like there's there's real world consequences that are evolutionary in nature and are um potentially take place over multiple lifetimes and it's like if I'm not attending to this being coming through me that is almost ripping me alive, but also creating enough bliss to make it possible to feel the intensity of that pain. And if I somehow am not able to like fully honor that process, um, it feels like a, like a sin somehow. And I've never used this language before. I've never spoken about it like this before. And I don't even know if this is true. It's just what's kind of coming through right now. And I, I just wonder if you can relate to that at all. And it's, you know, like the process of um, lava or the a volcano kind of erupting into being, and it's so beautiful and it creates new life in these new islands, but also it's, it's like the, it'll destroy you in the process in some way. Um, and maybe it, it, it has to as well. It's like a, it's like a metaphysical necessity of the creative process that's coming through this type of, a, this type of a channel. Mm. Yeah. I'm just being, I'm actually just being with how It's interesting. It's almost like this like gripping or like uh bristling, like my it's like my animal body is responding to and resonating with. It's like it can feel the truth of what you're speaking to and gesturing towards, like the qualities of soul making. It's like you're getting it feels like you're ingressing more deeply into reality. There's like a way in which you're being pressed down more into the earth, like into the roots, into the, yeah, into like this kind of visceral being of aliveness and being like a human in a body that 
ages and hurts and falls in love and dies and like is hungry and longs and desires and yeah it's and it is it is a very different quality to a kind of image of transcendence um in I think and I and I want to name that I actually celebrate an ecology of practices like I I was in like a three-month monastic retreat much more focused on like Zen Buddhism and actually that this form of being able like this the skillfulness of being able to navigate the territory that kind of agonizing karmic character ripping kind of like ego it's like your ego your personhood your uniqueness is just um it's not dissolving it's actually it's being it's being crystallized like it's like through the pressure of the heat and through the pressure of the tension of soul making it's it's a it's much more of like a fabrication rather than an unfabrication of reality and I think I just want to actually really honor that you need both like you you need this you need kind of like that posture to become available to you when you can call upon it it's like when it's too intense, when it feels like I'm going, I don't know, at times it feels like I, the melodrama feeling like I'm going to die, like this is going to kill me, or I am, I am going to cause harm for generations that must be suffered if I'm not in alignment. There's like this, yeah, soul making can really um, draw in like a a melodrama to the mattering no. <laughs> melodrama to the mattering that has to be the title of this podcast <laughs> oh that's such a beautiful it feels good. it's like why you watch movies it's why you yeah. yeah it's like you're like the human body and the human soul like longs for that intensity for like the worthwhileness of living and dying and being together on this finite planet. So, and then it's also like, how do you, how do you at the edge of that tension and that agony, the agony of Eros, the agony of longing, also hold it in spaciousness, like kind of when it's like so compressed that it's like, oh, like, can you just release as well? Like, are you able to, and I, and I ask that of myself all the time. I try to practice that. It's like at the point at which I'm the most attached and clinging to something like, that's like, this is so precious. This is so important. Like that's the point at which I can really release and actually see it and know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's not like a goal where it's like, oh, there's this objective and we need to meet it. And I need to, it's it's like you're so erotically intertwined with a, a complete mystery that only reveals itself in metaphorical poetry at times, if you're lucky, 
And oftentimes it's abstract and it almost disappears before you can even grab onto it and objectify it. And so it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes that will take shape in the form of a project, but the project is really just like a, a, um, the project. It's, it's almost like my hairstyle or something. It's like, it's just the outer, it's the most outer layer of this life force that is working on. It feels to me, at least experientially, it feels like it's working on so many different dimensions and depths and the vast majority of which there's no conscious conscious conceptualization for let alone language and the human the human the human language to even describe it but i guess you know the obvious metaphor that was that was coming up is just giving birth like when a woman is giving birth and often the love making happens in sort of a bliss flow state of just like being impregnated by you know the erotic pleasure of being alive and then that immediately leads into often feeling sick and going through the dark night of the soul and having your body change and grow and then you eventually feel the contractions and the pain and you sit down and you try to squeeze it out and like you have to be with it and like if you literally don't give birth you will die like if you just don't if the baby just stays in your body like it will kill you and so you have to give birth one way or another um, but then if you push too hard, you know, you have to let go and breathe and just allow, like, allow the muscles to relax and then, you know, keep doing it. And, and then when it's born, it's not like the process is over. In some ways, the process has just begun. And uh, now this entire new journey is unfolds. So, and yeah, there's a way in which when we can feel into history, past, present, and future, kind of colorizing now, it's it's a it's an infinite journey that any beginning or end is, you know, just sort of an abstract construction. Um, it's all just like this. It's all just this unfolding now, and yet I think the melodrama, like for me, the storytelling in it, the the ability to sort of place ourselves in this sea of everything and find somethingness that we can like hold on to and make our own and illuminate and pay attention to and be with and just watch the universe itself like shape shift into that reality for that expression and that experience and then it kind of dissolves back <clears throat> into some some new form and um yeah so it's so it's so beautiful and you know it's so weird because just before this call i was thinking of swadade do you know the word swadade it's it's the portuguese word for um there's not really a direct english translation but it's the feeling of being nostalgic for something that could have happened but never did happen um so it's like oh if i had stayed with this romantic partner and we ended up having kids in the future and so you kind of feel like a nostalgia as if it did happen but it's really just sort of an imaginal possibility of where life could have gone and it's deeply like it's pain it's that melodrama it's a, it's like painful almost but also there's a sweetness often when i feel suerade there's like a, a deep honey like sweetness that really melts me but it also hurts and there's often a, a layer of grief 
But right before this call, I was thinking, God, is there a word for like future Swadade? It's like being nostalgic for something that hasn't yet been born, but you already can sense it coming into existence. And you're like already feeling the intensity of the melodrama of the melodrama that hasn't yet played out, but is playing out as we're feeling it playing out in the future. <laughs> Yes, it's I, I wish there was like a beautiful uh, Portuguese word for it, but I it's interesting. Um, I use the word longing mm. because, well, because I think actually it came to me like longing really came to me. And for me, when I work imaginally with my longing she shows up like a dragon like it's like there's such an intensity with which like there's a kind of majesty and fierceness and like a kind of fiery desire that this dragon represents and yet it's also like playful and serpentine and Chinese dragons are often beings of the water, like they're gods of rivers and oceans. And they kind of, they swim and yeah, there's also like an ease with which they are able to move realities and dimensions. So I've just, yeah, there's like something around longing that's coming into right relationship with the intensity of longing that's present in my body and it actually kind of feels like it can feel almost beastly at times like this entity or this kind of like um yeah god that sits in my like kind of like crawls around in my body and is like <laughs> like almost like cracking against my rib cage in its yeah, in its desire to just like move and it and so I have to kind of like um respond to it because if I stay still like it will burst through it will tear through my body like I liked what you were describing it's just like almost feeling sometimes like eaten alive by my own long by this dragon um yeah and I think it's like something there's also a term, um, and I know about it from Henry Corbin, who's like a theologian of Islamic mysticism, and there's a term Hima, and it's kind of like that. It's Hima is the longing of the heart. It's this like the creative impulse that arises from this almost like longing for God, this angel out ahead, this future that you can intimately feel you've tasted, you've tasted the promised land. Like that's why, you, that's why you want it so badly. It's like, you know, that there's something possible that's not yet present. And yet the seed is there. Like it is actually ever present. And then what you're doing is you're drawing on that on the way it's not here yet, on the agony of it not being here yet, like a lover that you can't be with, can you draw on that? Yeah, can you draw on that agony to create? Like, I and I love that 
there's something around love that that kind of agony of arrows that produces great work like so much like so much music even or like writing or philosophy films like so much of human invention even like science it's like the leaps that happen in physics is kind of like it usually erupts out of this deep longing this kind of cosmoerotic draw to what is not here and yet you can kind of like feel it and then you're you're letting the muses and the dragons and like the archetypes kind of like move through you in this bridging to the possible and the potential yeah you know i a big story that I've had to release in for lack of a better phrase, sort of the non-dual or the awakening path or the the world and a lot of the teachings is that <clears throat> you know, once one is awakened, whatever that means, there's you know, so many different flavors of that experience. I'm sure some of those flavors involve tempering this energy or shape-shifting this into some other form or being with it as it's always presently playing out and so um but without complexifying this all too much uh, the the simple version is that maybe there was a like a misconception that I had for some years of oh when there's an awakening experience and all can be seen and felt and experienced as God as me as self that that creative life force energy will just sort of not be necessary anymore. I'll just be like walking around in bliss and everything's fine. And everything's oh, you just smile and just to kind of go back your day. But in a way, it's like that just has become more, I'm more present with the presence of Eros and its aliveness and its desire to create more. It's like um there's just this overflowing, brimming, like power that is wanting to celebrate the miracle of being alive and the miracle of being able to be the creator of God <laughs> as God <laughs> in a sense. And like, so there's the, the agony and the agony and the, and the uh, longing are there in that, but it's like a longing. Um, I'm trying to think of a metaphor. It's like, it's like a, It's like when you, uh, for sometimes when I listen to really good music or something, it's 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 already so perfect and good, but at the same time, it's like it's dying to hear more of it. <laughs> it's like I can't wait to hear, more. and then that beat, the drum beat comes in. It's like ah, and it almost hurts because it's so good, and and so there's and it's like a longing to experience more of the goodness of the beauty of life, which also can bring this like creative erotic kind of expression forth and what i've what i experience often is is like a total intertwining of the two so there's like the transcendent erotic creative energy of beauty wanting to create more beauty with the human tucker personality that's feeling pain and suffering and the longing for life to be different on a very concrete practical human experience level and then the two of those kind of like interpenetrate to create this super force of energy that 
feels ultimately like the best way to honor life somehow. It feels, it's not even, and there's not even like a doing, like an agentic doing of honoring life. It's just as like, oh, this is how life wants to honor itself. And so mm. it is maybe, and what maybe what is in the future, you know, will be just like being a bunch of open present uh void energy or we'll just be like this i don't know multiple but for whatever reason it's like the, the going as fully deeply into the human experience so deep that it almost comes out the other side as this divine possibility um just feels like it's, it's just what is so i guess that's all that matters but there's also a way in which by recognizing that that's what is it's there can be like a, a surrendering more into what already is somehow simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, just yes to yeah, everything that's coming through. Can I share one more thing along those lines? Mm -hmm. I never really I don't think I've really spoken about this before, certainly not uh, publicly, but there's been some experience with, um, I guess it was like, I lost well, some different plant medicine experiences where it's like all that exists is there's sort of no human realm. It's kind of happening in some other dimension. There's like Tucker's not really present for this, but life itself is just sort of experiencing itself as one energy of bliss and it's just bliss it's like there's no there's no other anything it's just this bliss is all that is but then it kind of gets like bored of itself somehow and the bliss creates some sort of a duality or a separation and then the bliss energy kind of subsides a little bit in order for the two parts to then find each other again which then stimulates the bliss and it's actually not the bliss itself that feels so good. It's the feeling of the bliss coming online that feels so good. So it's like the orgasm of the bliss entering into being that is what creation is like, potentially from this perspective, constantly seeking. And so it's it's like filled up with bliss, but then the, the constancy of that experience becomes almost boring or mundane or expected so it has to create something different in order to come back into the penetration of the two in order to experience it fresh again as if it's the first time and that process of kind of two becoming one becoming two becoming one is just like the drumbeat of life and for me that really that really connects with soul making in a sense because it's happening over a longer time period. Like it feels temporally like the drum beat is much slower where it's like painful. And then, you know, two days later, it's like bliss. <laughs> and two months later, it's like painful. Um, but it still feels like that expansion contraction, that universal kind of two, one is, it's, it still feels like the, um, the universal expression of creativity somehow. Mm. Yes, that 
It's interesting. It's, this is reminding me that, I don't know why, but this is reminding me of um, the fact that I'm an Enneagram seven. <laughs> um, and the reason why I'm sharing that is because I actually, I'm not, I, I had a hard time kind of fully owning that um, way of being where I, I do, I'm an enthusiast. Like there's a way in which I follow aliveness with ease. Um, and I'm always kind of like, I'm really curious about a lot. I can, I'm very tuned in to some extent to my desire. And at the same time, as like a creative, as an artist, the most, the most challenging, yeah, it's like the kind of trials and tribulations of making is that there's like a commitment. You have to, there's a kind of, um, yeah, there's like a quality of bondage that's actually very important that arises out of perhaps like a sense of duty, a sense of responsibility, a sense of like, I am making a commitment. Like, it's not just about the, um, the kind of like, you know, the, the first frissons of romance, like when you have a crush on someone or the kind of honeymoon phase, quote unquote, of when you fall in love, but actually the kind of the work, the agreements that you make with each other, the agreements that you make with that which you are called to serve and create. And when you're describing this, um, yeah, this dynamic of like a whole that then kind of like chooses to be a part uh, to create too. And then to, to feel that tension, like the tensegrity of being a part and like the kind of, yeah, you could say like the passion and again, to kind of come back to the agony of the longing of being a part. There's something where I've had to really learn how to be, how to soul make that tension in my body. Like this, this way in which I, I have been like such a perfectionist as an artist for a long time. Like it's really hard for me to commit to creating something or starting a project or kind of seeing it all the way through because I can feel how, I can feel the true potential of it. Like my, there's a quality with which I have to actually reconcile with the fact that my vision is transcendent. Like it can kind of, it can, it's just, it's like in this realm, it's in the imaginal realm of the, yeah, of, of potential of just like divine potential. And then I have to be in like, it's like, I have to be Cheryl. Like I have to be kind of this human, small, um, yeah, very enfleshed self. Um, 
And I can feel like, I can feel almost like the glare sometimes of that imaginal potential kind of like turning back on me and saying like, not good enough. Like this is not good enough. And working, actually working with that critical self, this almost like foreboding, um, yeah, this foreboding angel that is always telling me like not good enough and transmuting that into actually, um, it's like, wow, I have something. There's like something in me that can leverage that, yeah, can leverage this almost like arena of not good enough mm-hmm. to generate the energy for transformation. So I think, and, and it's like really interesting because like that, that is a finite game that you create. Like, and I, and I want to yeah reference just coming back to like the finite games that you soul make in the infinite great game because of course in like the realm of transcendent eternality it's like everything is perfect everything is good enough everything is beautiful everything is true like you can kind of be in this blissful kind of samadhi state of perfection and then like the reality of being a human is that like God, it is not good enough. Like our systems are not good enough. Like our systems are not fucking serving us. They are alienating us. We can feel the pain in our bodies of the not good enoughness of our culture, of the, yeah, of these ossified, broken, profoundly alienating systems that like, I, I just feel trapped in it a lot of the time. Like I feel trapped in it. And I think there's like something in this not good enough now where I want to attune to it. Like I want to, I want to nag into it. I want to be like, if it's not good enough, then how do I change? Like, how do we change? How do we, how do we work with that? Um, and I want it to come not out of like, like it's like there's something in this tensegrity again I'm kind of borrowing a term from Buckminster Fuller it's like this it's like the the integrity of tension where you find that sweet spot where it's like not good enough meets like it can flip into oh I want to create that which is better um and it comes out of longing it doesn't come out of just saying no to something it comes from saying yes to what is possible and that's that's like the space of imagination that's where like fantasy and possibility kind of like beckon you forward yeah it's so perfectly said just to relate it back that's the moment of orgasm for me often is when that not good enough flips into and i can i i this energy can help make it better and it's like the pain catalyzes into creative life force. And to me, that's the same experience or the same structure of experience as oneness experiencing itself as two-ness to come back into oneness. And it's like, it's if everything was perfect on the human, from the human perspective, 
I think life would get really boring really fast in a way. And so it like creates these creative challenges that can be fully embraced as part of the perfection of being alive in this experience. And that's what makes a great story, a great story. And so it makes this melodramatic comedy of, <laughs> of life that somehow is worth living for and worth dying for at the same time. Um, and that's not to take away from the, like the heartbreak I feel when you shared about not being, not feeling good enough and not being good enough. And uh, mostly because I relate to that so deeply. Um, and there's a way in which when you were speaking, I was like, yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, some shadow material there or something in Cheryl's early childhood that was creating this type of narrative. Yes, yes, yes. And I also experience you as a, as a craftswoman, you know, like you're, you're, you have like a craft and when you're working on a, a craft and you have a design sensibility, when you're an artist, um, there is a way in which that lensing of this isn't good enough. This isn't right. This isn't the thing is essential. You know, that's, there's a perception and a discernment and, uh, and a keen eye in that, that is necessary for the types of beauty that I experience you bringing to my life and into life itself. Mm. So how can we be with that? I mean, I'm asking myself this, but how can, yeah, I was also feeling just the pain of the, um, we, you were at the CC constructing consciousness, Ontario gathering. And there's like all these different narratives that I can sometimes feel about and I can take on the sense of like, well, that wasn't good enough. And there was a stuff that happened and it was, could have been, and then there are so many experiences <laughs> of like, whoa, that was cool. And like all these people came together and like, I had something to do with that. And it was just fine and great. And there's so much learnings and it's all playing out perfectly. And, um, and I, I, I think what, I'm falling into, there's snow that's falling on the ground right now. And I feel like my body is kind of falling into this recognition of really wanting to be with the feeling of it not being good enough in a community context that is holding, like sometimes it's quite literally holding your body saying, you're good enough, you know, you're good enough. And while feeling like, and the craft that is coming through me is not yet good enough. So I'm going to keep working on it. So there's like that, that the reinforcement of the human and divine and divinely human, humanly divine perfection of it. That's being like loved and nourished and remembered and radiated as a story, as a mythos that can be like such a healing bomb to the artists and the creatives and the soul makers that are going through that really essential creative process of coming into coming to terms with the fact that uh, some things are not good enough yet and we need to do better. And, and how can that, instead of it like crumbling us and shackling us into our caves um, of despair or shame, uh. how can it, like expand us and motivate us and bring new energy and also 
in a very practical sense, it can help us feel like we're serving somebody that we can, that we feel a love for and appreciation for. So if someone's filling up us up with gratitude and we feel an expression coming through us, like we know that that's going to come back as a thank you to the person that is filling us up. And there's this beautiful like reciprocity of being able to be of service to the people who were of service to us. And that's part of the longing for the longing that I feel in me is for more of um, a kind of an intentional community where there can be an awareness of sort of some of these dynamics that are in a way always already playing out and even in big urban cities where we mostly don't know each other, but to kind of like create the story and the awareness of it and then to create intentional context and rituals and ceremonies and ways of being that can just do it more or do it in a slightly different flavor with more awareness of what's already happening. It's, it can take on like a richer quality. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of actually the two of us in Boulder last year in November, 2023 when we were climbing that um that rock it was a kind of like a red cliff i forgot what it was called <laughs> um but i remember as we were climbing up we were chatting and i was listening to you describe how like you feel called to create and build community that is oriented like towards creativity, like really oriented towards mutual support of each other's creativity and following of one's soul's path and calling. And, and like kind of naming the difference between that and communities that focus more, and this is necessary, like focus more on healing and on like the work that's required to also like meet trauma and kind of hold sanctuary space, like the kind of caring cocoons that are required and nests to, yeah, be, be with the hurt, be with the wounds. And then I, yeah. And I, and I remember just feeling such like resonance as we were just climbing this, like, you know, using our bodies, like, like really feeling our bodies to climb this <laughs> very small mountain together but it was still really fun like um yeah and then looking out and realizing that there is there's a way to really embrace the play of creativity together and to create this playground together and when you're describing the kind of rituals and ceremonies and practice spaces like the dojos and the arenas. It's like, you know, what we build ourselves up towards like wholeness and capacity and like, we're, you know, we want to develop. And then it's like, what is that in service to? Like um, in that space of like, what is it good enough for? Like, what are we trying to yeah, what, and I think this is where I'm starting to orient towards like, what is that possibility that that artwork, that life work that is not for any one person to hold alone? 
like it's actually not possible for one body to hold the channel of that continent that wants to come through it requires like a ring of volcanoes to be able to like co-hold the intensity of what wants to be created and I think there's like yeah and that that maybe is I want to create like it's like I feel so in service to the playground for that holding of not knowing together of like being with each other also in the agony of it like when it's just like kind of insufferably melodramatic like it's you know we see each other and we know like oh you know Cheryl's going through her like tortured artist moment right now <laughs> and just be okay with it like you know we're we can be annoying we can be a little bit like narcissistic sometimes but we can hold each other in the mutuality of knowing that it's in service to something that we're creating together mm-hmm. so I think there's like yeah I'm just feeling um I just feel really fired up to to roll up my sleeves and to work on that and to really lean into the craft, Mm -hmm. the craft of what, like what wants, like that playground that wants to be created um, to allow that to come through. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just noticed myself getting shy. Cause I'm like, that's the thing that I want to most do. And now I'm like, oh, I'm a little scared now. <laughs> <laughs> what is, yeah, what is that feeling like in your body? Um, well, just to use the playground metaphor, you maybe having memories of being I don't know, six or something and running around on the playground. And then I run into this person and I, we kind of have that eye contact presence knowing without words that, oh, we're about to play together. And in a way we were already playing together because we were all running around the playground, but there was a lot of other kids. And now that there's like a moment of connection and intimacy and it's like, oh, the two of us are about to dance in some sort of, uh, a co-creative act that is new and the heart starts to beat a little bit faster and then there's a little bit of a sense of do I make the first move does she make the first move what do we do do we need to make rules do we just like experiment is this emergence wait what what game are we even playing and um and <laughs> what, if, what if she doesn't you know what if she gets bored and then goes away or something like that and so there's all this like little the little boy the little boy is like yes i want to be playing this game with this person on this playground and then there's like it's it's a very it was very small it was a very minor energy that was peeking its head but it was just this little shyness around the vulnerability in that the vulnerability in creating anything at all you know and and being a part of the endless creative process of being life itself is just coming into waves, wave after wave of vulnerability. You know? It's like 
whatever whatever we do, including this conversation, it's going to die. It's going to end. There's going. It's already completing as it's being born. There is no birth and death. There's sort of one mutual arising, uh, one mutual experience. And so, you know, in a way, I feel like we're signing up for a heartbreak. I think you, you're frozen. Can you hear me? It's so perfect. <laughs> that my internet popped off. Yeah, but that was so perfect. I just said we were signing. Um, I don't know if you heard. I said I'm we're signing up for heartbreak, and then you, your image froze. And I was talking about whatever we start, including this conversation, is going to die. And then your internet cut off and you disappeared. <laughs> So exactly, my point exactly. <laughs> um, the cosmos is a trickster in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. That was hilarious. <laughs> but I guess, again, I think this, what community can do, what I've experienced it doing and what I hope to help continue to foster is to have when the heart breaks, it breaks open into a holding like there's some, there's a bigger heart that is holding the heartbreak of the individual or the you know or that individual's heartbreak is seen and recognized by others as life's heart breaking open and there's a feeling of being in union with that while also kind of holding that with the the steadiness of the presence of hearts that have been broken open but in that moment are feeling able to contain the the beauty of the experience that might just be really painful for the individual experiencing it so and it's like then it becomes a mirror you know like the pain gets to look into the mirror of the community and they see beauty reflected back at them Mm. which is what I feel when I talk to you <laughs> <sighs> yeah yes <laughs> I'm just with yeah this <clears throat> remembrance of Yeah, it's just a remembrance of all the heartbreaks to come. Mm. And the beauty of that, actually. Yeah. What helps me 
often when I'm feeling that heartbreak or the heartbreak about the future heartbreaks is the sort of remembrance of the beat of the drum of the universe and the necessity of not, maybe it's not necessary. Maybe there is a state in which one's heart doesn't have to break or something like that, but I don't know for, I, the truth is that I enjoy, I enjoy the heartbreak, I think, because there's been enough, there's enough faith and trust and remembrance and why that heartbreak will ultimately lead to such a deep fulfillment and joy and bliss and that the like in order for the wave to come into expression into being to differentiate from the ocean it eventually will need to crash back into the ocean but to have no waves in our oceans would make the oceans kind of boring which is why i don't like ponds and lakes <laughs> <laughs> That's my personal bias as someone that was born on an island in Maine and had fell asleep to the sound of waves crashing onto the beach and crashing onto the rocks. And it's just like uh, the birth and the death of each of those waves is so, is such a beautiful way to fall asleep and such a beautiful way to wake up. And I almost, I mean, I feel, but also as a mythology, I could say that like, that's what God is doing with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling, I'm feeling profound gratitude for how we can, yeah, it feels like playing music with you, um, just both like generate the kind of creative arrows and energy in our field and then really work with it and move it and create song and art with it. Like I think I, and then I, and then it's a really interesting, it's kind of also in these, like the gaps in between the notes I'm with, just the presence of like the blue place. I call it the blue place sometimes, but it's, it's like this, yeah, it's like what it is to be. With the ocean. <laughs> to which all returns and to be with the heartbreak and the grief of what you love dying. Hmm.
Yeah. And I can feel why it's so important to have that collective heart. I think there's like a way in which I willingly, it's like I'm willingly choosing to fall in love with and have my heart broken by the world. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost like when we choose to go to a movie theater and watch a movie, we can be that much more invested in it because we've there's a there's a feeling of like I signed up for this I purchased a ticket for this ride <laughs> um and to me there's something around faith that maybe that might not quite be the right word but something in that territory that mm -hmm. like faith that my faith in as sort of a knowing a deep deep intuitive knowing that I my you could say my soul purchased the uh the movie ticket of Tucker's life and uh so, somewhere in the cosmos is this eating popcorn and enjoying the show <laughs> oh <laughs> that's really <laughs> and that feels like such a that's such a Tucker moment to me. So <laughs> yeah, I want to. I'll sit next to you and pop some peanut M and M's into the popcorn. Nice. Well, I don't know what the invitation is, but I feel like it would be worth mentioning that there's this idea that we share of bringing soul makers together into some sort of a at first maybe a global collective via an online group that just plays with this type of creative expression and a collective space and kind of is in the emergent process of co-birthing life um and so I feel a desire to just like share, like almost like a lighthouse beaming out and just being like, hey, this thing is happening. Uh, we just have done it together in a way and and would be really fun to play with others. <clears throat> and so, yeah, if this is a way of being or a way of expressing or experiencing that feels exciting and familiar and deeply enriching, then maybe reach out to Cheryl or myself and be fun to play with more people in this way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you make for an excellent lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> you make for an excellent sea dragon in a ocean, <laughs> infinite schools of fish <laughs> combined together to create the the school of Cheryl, who I feel like teaches me <clears throat> more about like the goodness and the beauty and the meaning of life than very like more than you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of 
beings that I come into contact with. So it just feels like uh, more than a gift. It feels it feels like a grace to mm. speak with you. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah i'm just really thank you thank you i i receive the vastness of what you just <laughs> yeah what you just spoke to and also the vastness of the potential that i feel in our creative play together yeah. and it makes yeah i feel very I'm meeting young Tucker on the playground, <laughs> looking into his eyes, and I notice the sparkle in your eyes matching the sparkle in mine. There's a mischief. <laughs> it's like a oh, we know the game that we're about to enter together, and yeah, it's it's a it's a design that's much larger than us that's calling us in <laughs> yeah beautiful perfectly said and just like a final housekeeping note is there any place that exists on the internet in which one might be able to discover more about you or dive more into your world I'm thinking of maybe the stoa talks or anything else that might be fun for people yeah I like that you mentioned that's probably the closest um, yeah, artwork that I've created that shares some of my cosmology and just images. Like it's like my art practice. And I also have a website that's not updated, <laughs> but I like, but you know what? I kind of like it as a little, treasure trove sometimes that of a like past and future musings mm. and yeah I think I also I like your I like the beacon that you put out it's like find it's almost like finding this like uh I don't know why it's coming through as I feel like there's almost this uh, seashell that we've discovered and it's whispering to us. It's like, yeah, I can hear it telling me. Um, how to find this world that we're going to create together, the Soulmakers Collective. <laughs> so people can find us through that as well. Calling all Soulmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tucker. Thank you, Cheryl. So <laughs> yes. So good to be with you. <laughs> Likewise. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. And you too. Maybe Ciao. play again. Maybe play again. Inshallah. <laughs>